Today, I have a question for you. What did the blind man see that no one else could? Welcome to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Kingdom Speak. So we have a profound question today on the episode. What did the blind man see? If, if you can answer that, hmm. this might go viral. <laughs> <laughs> so I've read this thing where how your human brain can rewire itself. I didn't know there was wires in my brain. Did you know that? You know, I've talked to some people, and I've I've, I've been pretty certain <laughs> there was there there was something wired wrong, but or a yes. lack of wiring, maybe. Yeah. So they say. Have you ever talked to somebody that you wondered if they were wireless? <laughs> <laughs> the Wi-Fi generation. Yeah. So these people, who um, you know, have one sense. So let's use a blind man. Um. He can't see, but yet his brain is able to heighten other senses. Sure. More acute responses. Yeah. So when you told yes. me today that we were going to talk about Bartimaeus, that just kind of piqued my interest that, is it possible really that, you know, all of these people, if he's on the side of the road, he's blind, but yet he can see something or he saw something that other people... Well, we've all heard the expression, the... The mind's eye. Yeah, yeah. So there's no question that he was, something was registering with him. It's intriguing. Um, maybe we could say it this way. He, he, he might have been blind, but he refused to be handicapped. Well, there. He was, he was, mm. he was using his other senses mm. to connect him with um, what we know because of, of our understanding of the story, it, it connected him with a source that was going to provide the answer he was looking for. And this is right on the heels of Jesus seemingly making a very uneventful trip. <laughs> yeah. I've always been in intrigued by this passage in Mark 10 because a lot of times what Scripture doesn't say mm -hmm is as important as what it does. Yeah. And for some reason, Mark's account of Jesus' trip through Jericho literally is they came to Jericho, mm -hmm. and as he went out of Jericho, <laughs> that was it. To, to think that nothing noteworthy happened by a visitation of Jesus Christ is is something that I don't think we need to just gloss over. So how does that happen? That's a fearful thing. Have you ever been in a church service where Jesus, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask that. Ah. <laughs> you don't want to read the diaries oh, that I man. write about some of the church services I've been in. No, but I, I, think, I think that it does good for each of us Mm. To maybe sit back and realize, okay, you got to ask yourself the question: Does this is this a testimony to the fact that nobody needed anything in Jericho? I would say not. Is it even possible 
that Jesus could visit anywhere and there not be someone there that could benefit from his presence being there. And so to to bring that application to date, well, I would hate to think hmm. that Jesus would ever show up to a church service and all we could say was that he came and that he left and nobody you could also nobody nobody reached out to him nobody yeah nobody asked him for anything you could also make the assumption that he doesn't just show up to show up i mean god walked in the cool he's not that random yeah like god walked with adam in the cool of the day and it seems like you could maybe say that they were just walking and chatting but whenever you read about jesus or maybe i'm wrong on that too yeah i think i think if anybody is the picture of intentionality mm. it would be jesus and his earthly ministry i mean his ministry the scope of his ministry is three three and a half years he was on the clock every day yeah he was ticking the boxes that needed to be ticked so to think that he was showing up at jericho just to walk through mm. but i think this ties into what we're talking about here from from our perspective and what jesus was doing he was always on a mission always but if you weren't looking for that and oh that's joseph's boy and his crew it's well said <laughs> well said and i think that comes back to how you see things yeah comes back to perceptions so could it be mm -hmm. i think we can take the could it be off there was somebody in there that could have benefited somebody in jericho could have benefited from a visitation from Jesus Christ. But could it be that their perception of who he was, maybe his approach, maybe how he was dressed, allowed their answer to just walk right on by without it even fostering, uh, mm. maybe that's who I need to be talking to. I, I know for myself, that is something, and, and, and we have to be careful with this because there are those that are looking for ways to compromise and to introduce, intro, introduce compromising in, in a palatable form, and they do it by introducing new methods. Mm -hmm. That is not what I'm insinuating. But there will be times mm -hmm. that Jesus shows up. Here's an example. Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. When Joseph's brethren came to him in need, desperate, all right, Joseph knew who they were. But Scripture is pretty right. clear right. that he made himself look strange yeah. to them. Yeah. So as a type of Christ, we definitely see that there is a side of him that he can, he can camouflage his identity to the point that unless you really, 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 really want him, he can walk right by your street. He did it with the disciples. He made as if he was going to go by. Absolutely. He did. And so to think that this happened in Jericho and he walked by people that he undoubtedly could have impacted their life mm -hmm. forever. 
ever. And they never picked up on it. But on his way out, there was a blind man sitting by the side of the road that picked up on what an entire city mm-hmm. missed out on. That's quite a we could almost thing. we could almost call this what you see is what you get. Woo. Right. Absolutely. Who do men say that I am? Yeah, he was trying to build that in his disciples to <laughs> exactly. say, come on, guys. Exactly. If you just see me as a reincarnation of Elijah, then that's all I can I can only operate in that boundary. Mm. But if you really see me as who I am, mm. so yeah, you're right. What you see is what you get. So what did Bartimaeus see? I think we all, if you're a preacher, you've preached it. A saint has heard a preacher preach it. You've read it in your daily Bible reading and have been impacted by the fact that in spite of the many, boy, let let me say this. This is an indication. This is another indication of the attitude of Jericho. Mm -hmm. That When blind Bartimaeus started crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, Mm -hmm. many Mm -hmm. of them tried to quiet him down. This is another indicator that Jericho really didn't have the composition needed Hmm. to stop the Messiah and to get what they needed. There was obviously a bit of a self-righteous attitude there that we don't cry out for help Hmm. to anybody. And so when the blind man began doing that, so he he is hearing that commotion Mm -hmm. coming down the street and he says who is that coming and they say they know who it is they say it's jesus and he begins crying out we've all heard this preached we've preached it jesus thou son of david have mercy upon me Mm -hmm. in in the face of that silencing muting Mm. attitude he cried all the more. That's right. Have mercy upon me. So there's 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 that first level of understanding here that that blind man truly saw Jesus right for who he was. That's right. He he sourced him properly, the son of David. That's right. Have mercy upon me. But I think there's an additional level of revelation yep. that blind Bartimaeus had mm-hmm. about Jesus, who he was, his purpose, mm-hmm. his mission, that we haven't really, at least myself, I've never really dug into. And I think this is found in the conversation when, all right, he cries, Jesus, have the son of David, have mercy upon me. Mm-hmm. Jesus stops. Boy, I want to have a cry that will stop <laughs> the master on his way. Jesus stops and says, bring him to me. And what an expression of faith that blind Bartimaeus shirks off the identity. Yes, that's right. Of who he is, a blind beggar. Gets rid of the label. Yeah. Casts it aside and they take him to Jesus. He didn't wait for the healing to take place before he shirked that label, as you've said. Mm -hmm. But in faith, he made his way to the master. 
He gets there, and Jesus asks him. You know, this ties back into what you said. What you see is what you get. Jesus asks him what really would appear to be like more of a rhetorical question. Right. What would you have me to do for you? Mm. But the reality is, is that it's not a rhetorical question. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That's right. That's right. He doesn't push himself in. The bishop has preached for years that God is a gentleman. He is. Right. Well said. Yeah. Well said. He's not going to barge in. No. He won't force a miracle on you. (laughs) (laughs) Miracle waterboarding. Yeah. (laughs) You are going to take this whether you want it or not. Take the anointing. Yes. 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 So Jesus is asking him. Nobody insinuates that Jesus is sweaty palms wondering, can I pull this one off? No. He wants to know. Mm Mm-hmm. What are you expecting of me? You've identified me as the son of David. You've said that you want mercy. Define what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think proof that this is not a rhetorical question can be found by looking at the example of the the lame man at the beautiful gate for 38 years. Peter and and John are on their way to the temple to pray. And he says to them, mm-hmm. have any alms? Mm-hmm. What you're seeking for determines what you get. That's right. So it, it's, it's almost as if Jesus is looking at him saying, what, what are you wanting out of this? Are you wanting a miracle? Are you wanting deliverance? Or are you just after support? That's right. And evidently those disciples, in the case of the lame man, got the concept because they said, no, no, that's not what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. If we're going to do anything here, if God's going to do anything, we got to get your (laughs) expectation fixed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And if Jesus could have put a coin in a fish's mouth, he could have given the lad a little silver and gold. That's right. Just hold it out of thin air, so to speak. Yep. But he was wanting to know... I think he was picking up this guy, although he's blind, is seeing something. Yeah. He sees a bit more about me than the crowd that is surrounding me right now. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you want from me? So you've held off for about 13 minutes. I feel like you're putting off the question. Are we going to end the episode without telling them? Yeah, that will be covered in part two. No, no, you've got to pay. <laughs> Oh, paywalls. Yes, paywalls are here. Paywalls, here we go. (laughs) Here's the little read more button, and it begins to fade out. I think the answer, and, and it's just something that I've never really noticed before until recently, is in blind Bartimaeus's response to Jesus' question, what would you have me to do? He says, the King James Version says, Lord that I might receive my sight. The interesting thing here is that the word used for Lord is not the word used traditionally through the, through the rest of the New Testament to describe lordship. Interesting. This is a word that 
is only used actually one other time in Scripture, and it is used by Mary mm-hmm. in the in the garden when she is standing by an empty tomb, conversing with who she thinks to be a gardener. Mm. So again, getting what you expect. Yeah, yeah. She is. She's interacting with who we know to be Jesus, Mm -hmm. but she's discussing this with him, conversing as if he's the gardener. Jesus responds to her and says, Mary, a one-word response, and it triggers an identifier in her mind. She knows this is not the gardener. She turns to him and says, Rabboni, which means teacher. Hmm. Teacher. She, this word that is used, blind Bartimaeus uses it, and Mary uses it, is a Jewish Aramaic expression that was used in the highest of regard to describe a Jewish teacher, a rabbi, Rabboni. Hmm. It was used in addressing them personally. It was also used when speaking of them, just in yeah. in, in day-to-day conversation. I find it so amazing that Mary did not go back to the miracle-working Jesus. Very true. To the bread-breaking Jesus, the Lazarus-raising Jesus. But in her mind, with the expression simply of her name, she went back to Jesus' feet, sitting there, hearing him teach. Hmm. And that was what tied it all together for her. Rabboni, teacher. Isn't that kind of anticlimactic? I don't believe so. Counterculture? Definitely counterculture. Yeah. Because we are in a culture that wants everything whip, bam, boom. For sure. We want everything now, shake it twice, add a little water, and wow, we've got our answer. Yeah. Blind Bartimaeus did not just know that Jesus was the son of David. He understood that what he was after resided in a teacher, Hmm. not in simply a miracle worker. And that almost sounds sacrilege to say that. But he said, he did not say, healer that I might receive my sight. Miracle worker that I might receive my sight. Deliverer that I might receive my sight. But he said, Rabboni, that I would receive my sight. Teacher. Hmm that I might receive my sight. There is an inextricable, undeniable correlation between teaching hmm. and miracles. I think the, 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 it, it's important that we broaden. Yeah, let me, let me say it that way. That we broaden All right. our scope of what a miracle really is. Blind Bartimaeus saw this beautiful correlation between a teacher Mm -hmm. and a miracle worker. Mm -hmm. 
Now listen, a teacher, a teacher is not quick. Right. Yeah. A teacher is not instantaneous, spontaneous. A teacher is intentional, methodical, mm-hmm. in depth, conceptual. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A teacher takes the time to contextualize. Yes. All right. And that is what blind Bartimaeus saw in Jesus, the son of David, that he was having mercy from, seeking mercy from. Mm-hmm. Um, but ironically enough, Nicodemus saw the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Jesus is sitting in a garden, maybe we, we don't know exactly where, but quite likely a secluded place. And he sees a shadowy figure mm-hmm. emerging, silhouetted by the moonlit night, making his approach to him. And it is a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And guess what Nicodemus says Yes, to Jesus? We all know it. He saw it. He saw it. Yeah. He saw the same thing that Bartimaeus saw. Mm. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that has come from God, for no man can do the what? Miracles. The miracles. We know you're a teacher, and you're not just a teacher from Yale. You're not just a teacher from Harvard. Mm-hmm. You're not just a teacher from any secular classroom. You are a teacher that has come from God. And I know this because of the miracles that you are doing. Again, cementing that undeniable fact that teaching and miracles are linked. Yeah. They're linked. I, I could go right now and say, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock, there is going to be a miracle working service mm-hmm. held at such and such a location. Eight foot by 16 foot sign out by the road. Possibly could pack the, the, the building out mm-hmm. if we were allowed to do so in a COVID crisis world. Because everybody would come with the expectation that miracles are instant, that miracles, and they can be, Mm -hmm. that miracles are the act of a moment, and they can be. But it would be a little more difficult to pack the crowd out if we said, tonight, 8 o'clock, join us. We're going to be doing some teaching. A teaching line. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would come expecting a miracle That's right. from a teacher. We know you're a teacher hmm. because of the miracles that you are performing. I, I personally, I'm, I'm speaking for me and the church that I'm privileged to serve as pastor. I want to make sure I'm a teacher. This is part of the five-fold ministry. Yes, you're right. You have an imperfect church if you have a church that only is preached to. And I think we have to readjust our perspective a bit to the fact that teaching is not dead. That's right. Teaching does not have to be boring or 
unanointed. But teaching is absolutely necessary. We need to know why. And truly, there are miracles that will take place. Yeah. So let's 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 look into it a little closer. <clears throat> the miracles that can take place from teaching. Uh, let, 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 let's let's actually hold that just for a second and go back to this. I don't believe that everybody is going to be pulled off apostolic doctrine just by the sensational, sensationalism mm-hmm. of, say, a charismatic movement. All right. Some of them will leave because they're heaping to themselves yeah. teachers sure. having itching ears. I understand the context is that they are not enduring sound doctrine. But listen, not everybody is leaving the apostolic faith for the beat of a drum or fog machines and 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 fancy lights. Hmm. Some of them are leaving for a desire to be taught. And so if we if we if we gloss over the fact that we need teachers, mm-hmm. then I'm afraid that we're leaving ourselves open to to an area uh, uh, of how, how can I best say this? An, an area where they begin. There's a vacuum. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's the word. There's yeah. there is a vacuum there. Yeah. That a teacher in error. Yes, that's right. Will fill because we don't have a teacher of truth. He scratches the itch. He does. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense when you think about the miracles that happened in Jesus' ministry. Some of the vivid ones, like, you know, ripping the roof off a house. Well, why were all those people there, and why was it packed? Mm-hmm. Jesus was there teaching, I would presume. Absolutely. Why was there 5,000 men, plus women and children, out in the countryside? Well, I presume he was teaching. And Absolutely. It, and evidently it was uh, attractive for those groups of people to be there. Right, which flies in the face of the fact that teaching is boring. Right. It's like, ah, I'm not going tonight. No. Oh, Lord, he's going to teach again. <laughs> when you are so pulled there that you'll forget to pack a lunch. It's pretty good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. That lets you know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the legalist folks and all of those... There was a vacuum there for a teacher. Yeah. And Jesus stepped in. We're losing our folk. We are. <laughs> and they left the temples and they left religiosity and they went to hear a teacher teach. Listen, let me interject this right here. There is the the battle of the apostolic church. I think there's a number of contributing factors to it, mm-hmm. but I think a huge, a huge contributor to the success or failure of the apostolic church is this. It's fought and won in teaching. Jezebel, mm-hmm. when, when, when Jesus spoke to the apostle, he said, now listen, I have somewhat against the, the church in Thyatira. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they permitted that woman Jezebel to... Teach. Mm-hmm. Teach. She didn't just seduce. She taught. 
Now listen, every teacher doesn't need a pulpit. That's right. Teachers don't need a pulpit to teach. You can teach at the kitchen table. You can teach at a restaurant. You can teach at lunch break um, uh, from from your place of employment. Mm. You can teach going down the road in the car. So teachers don't need pulpits to be teachers. And, and that's why there is no church that's exempt from this. There will be false teachers among you. Yes. So the conflict, the showdown, if you will, really hangs in the balance of the teachers win this thing. The teachers win. Whoever teaches ultimately triumphs. And that is a miraculous thing. You could make this argument uh, in an educational sense, in world history sense, where if you if you can teach the young minds, right? Well, Great yeah. communist leaders For sure. have this down to perfection in history. History that is not taught is repeated. Yes, yes. So I, I think that... So let me let me give a, a scripture here. Psalms twenty five. Mm-hmm. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Mm-hmm. His soul, whose soul? The man that is taught, the man that fears the Lord. His soul shall dwell at mm-hmm. ease. Why are there so many troubled souls in the apostolic wow. movement? Wow. It's not because they don't know how to dance on Sunday night. It's not that we don't have some of the best music that we've ever had. Could it be? They've never been taught. The soul will dwell at ease. Which soul? That soul that fears God and that soul that is taught. Then he goes on to say, and his seed shall inherit the earth. There is progeny in teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Generational continuity is secured in teaching. As much as I love shouting, as much as I love dancing, as much as I love apostolic worship and passionate preaching, I do it all and we do it to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. There is a solidification that really only comes that's right from teaching if if we've if we've ever seen this at work it's been over the last 10 to 12 weeks through this covid-19 crisis for us i know some have have not done this but for us we had no other choice mm-hmm. but then to go to an online format mm-hmm. guess what worked yeah teaching guess what helped put the soul at ease teaching it's adaptable and it worked something that sticks out to me in prep for this just came back to me this morning the disciples get together with jesus and they say teach us to pray yeah that lets you know that you can never be so close to him who who else was closer to Jesus Christ than those 12. You can never get close enough to him that you still don't need to be taught. And what we what we would have missed in Scripture if somebody wouldn't oh. have asked him to teach. Oh, 
That is why I think Luke starts off the book of Acts in such an incredible yes, right. fashion. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that Jesus began, hmm. I mean, both to do and teach, the world could not contain the volume of the books. There are so much that Jesus taught that's not contained within the volume of of canonized text that would to God, man, would to God we had access to it. So if you had to pick, would you want to see all the extra miracles he did or would you want to hear the teaching? Teaching without hesitation. No contest, right? Without hesitation. No contest. I can do the do. Yeah. Of all the things that Jesus began yeah. both to do and teach. I, yeah. I can do that if I have the teaching. Yeah. The teaching is what empowers me to do. Let, let's let's uh let's let's throw this in right now. And and then we could just go on and on and on and on about this. But um Israel was penalized for their rebellion. Mm-hmm. How? By the removal of of a teaching priest. They were not good students. They were not. And God did not slap their hand, so to speak, by cutting off the miracles for for the sake of today's discussion. But he said, I'm going to pull off. I'm going to pull away that teaching priest. They had been for a long season in 2 Chronicles 15 without a teaching priest. We got to understand that's a judgment. An absence of teaching is how God judged His people. There is a there's a riveting uh, a riveting example in Second uh, Kings chapter seventeen that I, I love the story because Assyria had come in again. Israel had wandered into idolatry. Subsequently, they were taken into captivity. And so they were taken away from the land mm-hmm. that was truly God's land. It was the promised land. And the ways of God were there to govern how you acted on that land. Not just if you were Jew, not just if you were a child of God, but anybody that dwelt on that land had to operate according to the covenant. When they moved, when the Assyrians moved them in, moved their, some of their folks in from Babylon and from different areas, guess what happened? Lions began to come out mm-hmm. and devour their young people, their children, the residents of that land. And when they asked, how come we didn't see this when Israel lived here? Mm-hmm. Guess what the answer was? It's because these people don't know how to act in this land. This is not just Babylonian dirt. This is God's land. And if you're going to live in God's land, it doesn't matter if you're an Assyrian. You're going to do what he says to do. The problem is is they don't know what God said to do. They haven't been taught. So the solution, the solution for dealing with the lions was not to go get a Department of Natural Resources officer, yep. not to hire sharpshooters. Build was, a wall, build a wall. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's not try to quarantine them. Let's not, yep. no. 
go back down to captivity, get one of their priests, bring him back here, and let him teach these people, Assyrians, let him teach them this is the manner of the God of the land. And if you do, the beast will recede back. Wow. A lack of teaching brings out the beast even amongst the people of God. Hmm. Suffice it to say, there are some beasts that only teaching can tame. Hmm. There are some beasts that a shout-out on a Sunday night can't tame. We need to teach our young people that if you're struggling with youthful lust, flee it. That comes across in teaching. Yeah. yeah that, I, that, that doesn't come across while the choir is singing. And I don't want this to sound like I'm against it. we got a choir, and we do it all. But they need to know when I'm facing this, I do this. Yeah. And we keep that beast at bay by teaching them. This is how you respond to it. Wow. So what do you think one of the greatest, what would you say is one of the greatest things that Jesus taught? Well, that's a good. Again, I think it's hard to, to, to mm-hmm. answer that conclusively because we don't even know all that he taught. But of the package that we do have, it's commonly held that the Beatitudes mm-hmm. is, is that the, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the greatest sermons that was ever preached. Yeah, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Right. So think of it this way. Jesus, I, I've been there where they believe that that was taught. And it, it was a moving, hmm. a moving, moving moment for me. Were you on a bus or something? Is that why? Nah. Are you inside anyway? That's why I was moved. Riding a train is very moving to me. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's very powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get back to the moment there was no trains, planes, or automobiles. Here is Jesus teaching what many would describe as boring, mundane humdrum. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was. But yet I doubt that Jesus was, and this is what I'm saying. I don't read where he asked for more monitors. No, no he didn't. <laughs> Blessed are the poor musicians. in spirit for theirs. The last verse is musicians come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I don't. Again, I don't want this to come across. No, no. That I'm against that method. No. I preach wide open just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But Jesus was just teaching. In fact, he begins addressing some key things there. And so we, we, know, we know that in moments like that, Jesus healed lame people. Yes. That he opened blind eyes. That he broke bread, multiplied fish, miracles happened. Mm-hmm. But I think that in our haste, to operate within the confines of what we perceive the miraculous to be, Mm -hmm. we overlook 
the miracles that took place amongst those 5,000-plus women and children that would have been sitting there hearing him teach, amongst the multitude that was there when he said, the Sermon on the Mount is full of this. Of old times, it was said that you were not supposed to kill. That's right. But I say unto you that if you hate your brother, you're in danger mm. of hellfire. Of old it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. But I say unto you that if you look on a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart already. Just breaking it down. Just putting the book on it, if you will. Just teaching. Mm -hmm. Just teaching. If you're smitten on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Mm. Man, this is revolutionary stuff. This is stuff that arrest the attention of an audience. Yeah. You're speaking to people that by the law would have had an exemption to what he is saying. But now their, their ideological cages are being rattled mm -hmm. by teaching Big time. that says, do you know what? You're not supposed to hate your enemy anymore. You don't just love your neighbor, love your enemy. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. These are these are, are world-altering teachings. And what we don't see and what is not recorded, and I'm, I'm making this argument a bit on the silence of Scripture, but I think that it's also there to support it is that, could it be three weeks later, four weeks later, a wife looks at her husband and says, man, Joseph, what's different about you? You just don't seem as agitated as you used to be. You're, you're not as aggressive as you used to be. And he looks at her with moistened eyes and says, I don't even know how to explain what's happened. Do you remember when we were sitting there and Jesus began to teach and say that I shouldn't hate my brother? I, I've just not gotten over that. And so I'm trying to make some changes to me based on what I heard. And I'm glad that you're noticing I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not as upset at my boss anymore. I'm not as angry as I used to be. I got a question to ask you. <clears throat> Which is the greatest miracle? True, true. Is it a greater miracle that the scales fell off blind Bartimaeus's eyes? Or is it a greater miracle that a teacher unlocked revelation that literally impacted mm -hmm. A marriage, a family unit, a career. Be content with your wages. On, on and on. It was teaching that literally revolutionized how people begin to measure their life and the passes that they gave themselves. And they, well, I'm allowed to have this because all I got to do is not kill you. Not anymore. I've now been taught that I shouldn't hate you. The teaching has raised the bar. Yeah. Yeah. It has. Yeah. And so now 
We have a bunch of miracles. I'm telling you that our church, I'm speaking expressly for our local assembly, after 86 plus years in a small rural town, it is a miracle that we have a church like we have in a setting that we have. How did we get it? It is a miracle that someone can walk through the door addicted to drugs, Yes, absolutely no moral upbringing, mm-hmm. receive the Holy Ghost. Yes, there is the instantaneous miracle that they are released from the addictions that they struggled with all of their life. But it's no less a miracle that they know how to treat their wife now and they know how to treat their kids and they know how to hold down a job. How do they get that? Mm-hmm. By coming back to midweek Bible study. Mm-hmm by signing up for discipleship classes, by being taught this is what you do and this is what you don't do. So in closing, I would just like to encourage all, all of the contemporaries that may be listening right now, let's teach. Let, let's, let's teach. There's miracles all up in that stuff. Rabboni, that I would receive my sight. Mm. The, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that blind Bartimaeus understood my miracles tied to my teacher. There are more miracles that are made than those that are experienced instantaneously. So let's go ahead and make some miracles. What do you say? And do it. One Bible study at a time. So that concludes today's lesson. Thank you for joining us, fellow students, on Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. If you haven't subscribed, please, please subscribe. I would get down on the floor and beg you, but then you wouldn't see me on camera, so let's not do that. <laughs> Join us, Apple Podcasts, YouTube channel, Spotify. Uh, I just want to give a shout out. We have seen some massive increases in listeners across the U.S. We're almost hitting every single state now on our episodes, which is pretty cool. So to all our American friends, thank you for joining us. Now, make sure you come back again next week. We're going to have another awesome episode lined up. And it might just be with somebody you recognize. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop.